Tonight, the dream is over, the run is dead as Arsenal come crashing down away at Southampton. We discuss why our defence was made of paddle pop sticks and spit and how exactly we're going to survive the next month of football with more players on the treating room table than we have on the green grass. All this and more tonight on this and Arse Brothers Rantcast. Welcome to this, another Ask Brothers Rankcast, brought to you, as always, by the Ask Brothers, Max and Toby. Tobes, mate, how are you? What's going on? How's life? Struggle town, Max, but that's completely self-inflicted. It is. I heard you had a big one on the weekend, mate. Yeah, I've been trying to keep the whole Christmas partying to a minimum in the lead up to this particular one that we were hosting. Um, and anyway, long short story short... I got to bed about six in the morning and spent the rest of yesterday trying to not to kill myself. So there so, is uh, there is much much pain in your life, Toby. So much pain. In much my pain life. in your life, like there is now pain in Arsenal fans' life. The run is over. The dream is dead. The winning streak has come to a full stop, a completion. Arsenal's winning streak has ejaculated. It has stopped. There is no more gas in the tank. How did you feel right after the game, mate? What was your what was your kind of instant reaction? Was it one of um was it something that you really thought of the the winning streak coming to an end, or did you just more look at it as in well those were points dropped? Look, I, I was pretty I was pretty flat after it, and it is a case of of points dropped. I actually probably would have been quite happy with the point. I really did see this as a banana skin before the game, partly because, you know, our our luck kind of had to stop at some stage. And then the other part, just the sheer amount of injuries that are starting to pile up. So it was always a bit of a banana skin fixture for us. Um, But yeah, you know, it would have been less painful being a draw, obviously. In fact, we could have even been reasonably pleased with a draw, all things considered. I think in the scheme of things, we would have been really pleased with a draw because we just, from the, the, the first couple of minutes of the game, we just looked sluggish and like we weren't going to get out of second gear. And, you know, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time on, on, on Twitter today and in the Arsenal fans forum and, and talking back and forward with people. And, you know, in the end, I've just come to a decision that it is not time to, you know, burn down the house. It's not time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's one performance. It wasn't a very good performance. There were very few redeeming qualities of the performance. But like you said, when you take into account the quantity of changes that we've had to make, it kind of paints a picture, or it it, it kind of painted a picture for what may happen in the game. And that is exactly the way that it played out. And and also, may, may I add, any time a team changes manager, you're always going to get a reaction. So whether it was a banana skin beforehand, as soon as this German bloke came in, it definitely was a banana skin from, from that moment on, especially with the first home performance for them. You know, they've never been a team that doesn't work hard, but maybe they weren't being inspired by... Well, I mean, fuck, they lacked goals, and then we gave them three. And we always that, give Southampton goals, though. I mean, I fucking Shane Long scored a hattie against us, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Looking at, speaking of Southampton, when the, the teams came up, the starting lineups came up, I mean, 
now I look back on my like run of notes and there's some things I wrote that now appear stupid, but I wrote <laughs> looks like, like a what? relegation team to me. You know, did you feel the same about that Southampton lineup? I mean, outside of Ings, Austin, Redmond, there was barely anyone on the pitch who I even knew. No, no, and they and they've had that selling club thing for so long. You know, not long ago they had some cracking players who they got rid of. Like you think Lalana, Mane, um, you know, their manager Pochettino, uh, Van Dyke. Who else? There's more. Uh, just start going through every player in the Liverpool team, and yeah, you'll okay. you'll just start you'll just start rattling off. Yeah, Southampton you know, even, names. Um, even that handsome Italian bastard, what was his name, who fucked off to to China? Anyway, there was nothing in that Southampton team that was particularly, you know, was, was going to make me Pella. scared today. <laughs> well done, Toby. Well done. <laughs> you can tell your brain's in a fantastic spot. My brain does good. Does good things, yes. Eventually. Um, three at the back. Not a surprise that it was three at the back. No, not at all. And and we were we were talking about this. I mean, but to... surprised in the personnel, surprised in in Granite Jacker off the yes, left of the three. Yes, yes, um, definitely. You know, we always thought that Kashelna Kashelny would be better being protected as part of a three slash five. Um, but yeah, definitely a shock to see old Granite um, at the left side of that three. Especially considering as well that he has played on as a left fullback for us this year. And I would have thought that maybe Monreal would come inside and, and be that centre-back. I mean, all in all, I thought Granite had a absolutely fine day back there. I thought he mm. did. He was probably the least bad of all the centre-backs. Yeah, I thought he did, just went in and just did a job and, and got on with it. Um, there wasn't really anything else that I found particularly interesting in the in the lineups or particularly different uh, we expected Awobi to play we expected Mikatarian to play one of my very very early early notes on the game was does was man does Awobi need a performance mm. man does Awobi need a game to, just for confidence or to get the the bubbling unrest out from underneath him Mm. Uh, Ainsley, Ainsley Maitland Niles on the bench. I was pumped for that. I don't know if yep. you ended up being able to watch the uh, the last seventeen, eighteen minutes of the Europa game, Toby. But Maitland Niles was the business, was the shit. Yeah, I, I I didn't really get to watch it in the end. I have to say, I know you were really excited with his performance. I do seem to remember. I did log on and try and have a have a go, but whatever happened, you know, I ran out of time or was. The internet was down or something like that. Excuses, mate. Excuses. Uh, Toby, kickoff against Southampton. Early thoughts, early feelings. Do you know what one of my first early thoughts and early feelings was? Laurent Koscielny's, like, ginormous sweaty nipples. Ah. Well, it's that fucking top, isn't it? You can see everything. I don't know if anyone else, please, someone, anyone on Twitter out there who listens to us, just tell me if anyone else noticed the size of Koscielny's nipples and how sweaty his tits were within three minutes of the game. Maybe he was lactating. Maybe he was lactating, Toby. But that was the first thing that I thought at the kickoff. Early chances for Arsenal, Toby, despite... The fact that we weren't really there. Mikatarian came out with his pants on fire a bit. Mm. And um, 
and set up some good chances. Early chance for Aubameyang, really smashing ball over the top from Genduzzi. Uh Threw on goal. Expect him to do better? Um, Kind of. Kind of. I mean... I don't, I don't want to talk too soon about um, your banging man because we're going to discuss him, but it was one of those ones I thought, oh, fuck, like, you know, he's hit it straight at the midriff of the keeper, you know, and it was great ball, sorry, great run to start off with, um, well-timed run, great ball over the top from Genduzzi, brilliant takedown, you know, maybe just took him a little bit left, but yeah, the, the finish, it was right in his midriff, so... That was never going to be a goal. You could have had a dead post there and they would have saved it. He's not the most clinical player in the world. And we've been through this over the last couple of weeks with yeah. you, Banger Man. Yeah. That if we've got some idea in, in our heads that he is some kind of a, a, an incredibly deadly, deadly finisher, I think we're wrong. I think he's closer to a Cavani than mm-hmm. he is to, say, a Higuain. Yeah. You know, as in yep. he's going to get lots and lots and lots of opportunities every game. And maybe he's a little bit of an accumulator, not someone who's got yeah. that, yeah. you know, where he's through on goal. You know, as much as I hated Sanchez, Sanchez can fuck off. And as well, a little word to everyone out there in the Twitter universe. Stop banging this can we bring back Sanchez drum. Ridiculous. Right? It's all over my feed at the moment. And it's fucking ridiculous. Check yourselves. Go and have a look at how he acted in the time he was leaving the club. Go and have a look at how bad his last six to eight months for Arsenal was as his body crapped out on him, and then have a look at what he's done at Man U. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in. I don't even know where it came from. And then a a last thing in terms of someone with any form of logical brain, even if we wanted it to happen, how the fuck would we ever pay 500 plus grand a week? No, it, it wouldn't even be feasible. But it's exactly. fucking, it, it's ridiculous. And I think that people banging this drum are just ridiculous. Do you see Man U paying half of his wages for him to come back to us and we pay the other half? Fuck I wouldn't no. take him anyway. I wouldn't no. take him for a fiver. You know, there was a thing with Sanchez, cunt, right? But when he went through on goal, you, you had the, 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 the feeling that the net, there was an impending ripple coming. You agree? Mm. Yes, you don't on one-on-ones, on but... one-on-ones, on one-on-ones, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about his boring, yeah. like cut inside, hit it into a group of players, cut inside, hit it into a group of players, all that crap. Mm. Right? I'm just talking about when he was one-on-one. When Aubameyang is one-on-one, I don't have that that feeling, that assurity. You know that Thierry Henry assurity, like, oh, that's a goal. Oh, mm. that's in. He's going to beat the keeper. He's going to do the keeper. Mm. Um, I think you forget with Henri, he he wasn't as perfect as we make him out to be, though. You know, he could be profligate. He could definitely be a flat track bully. Uh, straight after that, Toby, little chance for Mikatarian, kind of turned into a nothing shot from the edge. But Mikatarian was kind of, at this point, very early on, was kind of running the show, kind of running mm. things. He was the only guy who looked like he had any real tempo. Yeah. The only guy who looked like he was getting on the ball and driving forward. Him and Bellerin had a really good. 15 minutes there. A couple of nice balls whipped in from from Bellerin as well. Some dangerous balls whipped in from Bellerin. But somehow it still felt that Arsenal was struggling to get into the game. Southampton were, were pretty compact. They were breaking the ball up a lot in the middle of the park. And yep. they were still having some okay chances. Some 
some okay moments. Um, and I guess where that ended up, where, I guess the outcome of that ended up being a, a really lovely, delicious whipped ball. I mean, just about probably one of the best crosses that you're going to see from anyone this year. Full stop. Full stop. I mean, from yeah. anyone in any game. That is border. I mean, I've never people, even heard of him before. There were people calling out um, Koscielny a bit for that, saying he got his positioning wrong. And look, I'm all for uh, not just playing into like the great love story of Koscielny. I've, I've, I, I love, I love Koscielny because he's an Arsenal man. But mm. I honestly thought that any defender in any team in the world, if you whip a ball at that kind of pace and you've got a striker who's able to get in between two defenders and rise up, mm. that's borderline undefendable. I, I, I feel the same. I, I felt that the, the central defence were fairly blameless. I mean, not only the speed of the ball, but the bend of the ball. And even the, yep. the height. Koscielny couldn't really go from it for it with his head. And he definitely shouldn't have gone for it with his foot because he was never going to get anywhere near it. So, you know, not always trying to single out blame. That was an incredible cross and a great finish. So... Look- I sometimes think, you just got to stand back and go, yeah. Yep. Sometimes you have to take your hat off and just say, that's a smashing cross. Yeah. You know, probably there's a, you know, a, a communication element and a little bit of rust. And I know people are saying that maybe he could have got on his bike a little bit faster or maybe his positioning was off for the game. Mm. Look, I'm not astute enough as a, as a technician of the game to be able to make calls like that. But on first sight, I saw it as... A really, really good ball, whipped in into a really good area, smashed in with a big header. And I agree with you 100%. It was above what Koscielny could go for with his head. And I think one of the reasons why he caught a little bit of shit for it is because the way he ended up trying to go for it looked very awkward. Mm. Mm. But I, I kind of thought that was a construct of the fact that he was it, it really was bent in in a fashion and with pace that he... He had very little, very little chance to to do anything with. Yeah, mate. Southampton oh. kind of started putting a little bit of pressure on us then, and it, it for a moment it felt like I, or I had this impending feeling of doom that it wasn't going to go right for us today. And then um, Mkhitaryan pops up with a goal, smashing ball from Monreal back to the penalty spot. Mkhitaryan runs in, smashes in with his head, one one. Maybe maybe deserved at that point. We'd had a few chances. Southampton had come into the game. Mm. Mm. And it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant cross from Monreal. I mean, maybe not to the not to the level of um what was his name? Target from um Southampton. But anyway, brilliant cross nonetheless. Did all the work for Mikatarian. It literally spun onto his forehead, you know. Um, and it, it was a, it was a really good header, regardless of how good the cross was. I thought it was a really good header, a really good finish. Um, and great for Mkhitaryan's confidence as well, because we know, you know, that type of performance has probably been coming and hopefully it's the catalyst for, for a bit of, for change, for want of a better turn of phrase. Um, and we can see some more from it. Very small margins for Mkhitaryan. It's very small margins for Mkhitaryan. Yeah, you high know, errors, but high success. Between his best game and his worst game this year, you're probably talking about two things that he does coming off 
and you're standing there having a conversation about how good he was and how good his tempo was, you know, and how he built into the game. Yeah. Um, but at this stage, you know, and for the early part, for the very much the early part of the half, uh, Mikatarian was very much the driving force for what we were doing. Mm. Um, you know, produced a, another really nice move. It didn't come to anything, but just a really nice, like, Arsenal-esque interchange with Bellerin, big whip cross that ends up getting headed out um, and doesn't come to anything. Uh, I guess the next kind of little talking point, Toby, is what I thought was an Aubameyang miss, but ended up being actually an amazing piece of defending by the the Southampton guy. Again, a bit of an interchange between guys out wide. I think it was between Torreira and Genduzzi. Genduzzi flicks it in, plays Torreira in behind, who whips a delicious ball across the face for Eubanger Man. And the Southampton defender slides in and just takes it off his toe for what would have been a tap-in. Mm, oh, it was heroic defending. You know, like, for the lovers of defending, you, you're not going to get much better than that. Um, but as with all things in this game, Toby, it seems that whenever Arsenal went forward, Southampton ended up doing something. And straight after that, Danny Ings again for his second goal. Uh, Lichsteiner, this time I thought Lichsteiner absolutely lost him for this goal. Uh, Koscielny was more more central and, and um, Ings ghosted him behind him a bit. So really it's Lichsteiner's role there to cover him. Mm, and, bit of both, uh, bit of both for me. I felt that Koscielny sort of, you know, he he was a bit in the middle, a bit in no man's land, you know, and, and he was a bit have... in the middle and a bit in no man's land for a lot of the game. I yeah. mean, and you would expect that of him that he's he's going to have yeah. to feel his way back in. Yeah, and maybe, and you're right, like maybe a stronger defender in Licksteiner's spot would have seen that and come in more. But it was a bit 50-50 for me. I just, yeah, I mean, look, like we said before, players who haven't played together, players coming back from injury, players playing out of position. Um, and then a good cross again to bisect the two defenders. And one more thing, may I add, from a midfielder's perspective, we didn't close down the space at all. And the two culprits for that were Iwobi and Genduzi. Yeah, Genduzi had a really naff game with the amount of spaces he left yep. in midfield. Yeah. Really naff game. But I mean we'll sort of we'll sort of crack into that a little bit later. The biggest talking point of this game, I guess, other than the loss, is the injury to Hector Bellerin. So about five, six minutes before half time, Hector goes off. I still haven't seen anything come up online. Have you seen anything as far as an update? Calf strain, so at least three or four weeks. Uh, and Arsenal go down for to 10 men for the remaining five minutes of the half. Emery decides not to make the change. Maitland-Niles was warming up and stripping on the bench, and Emery told him to sit back down. So I made the assumption at that point that um, there was going to be not just a man-for-man change, but there was going to be some kind of a, a, a tactical change. Uh, so, Toby, into the second half, and um, from Bellerin not being replaced with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We knew we were going to get a formation change. We got Lacazette and essentially went to two up front, four at the back. And um mate produce some produce some chances for us early on in that half. Definitely another little chance for Obamiang, which was a, another ball over the top from Mikatari. Obamiang tries to meg the keeper but doesn't get a lot on it. Ends up hitting him in the midriff. 
No, um, it was his leg, I think, but I agree with you completely. He didn't get much on it. It was almost like he was a bit asleep. It happened so early in the second half. Um, and I didn't really... I was trying not to criticise him for that finish, but he didn't get a lot on it, did he? See, in that position, like the keeper's storming out, I'm thinking either take it around him or dink him or just slide it. You know, not... I often see this... uh, I often see this, this megged finish that people seem to hit often, and I just always think, surely of all of the finishes, that's the one with the lowest... Yeah, the um, lowest success rate. I yeah. think the Meg can be good with a little bit more pace on it, though, and that's where I felt. That's why I felt that it didn't go in. So that was my perception of it. It was just a little bit too soft, potentially a little bit too focused on getting it on target. Um, but yeah, didn't get a lot on it for me. Um, Mkhitaryan goal deflected in. Really good work from Lacazette pressing. Great uh, work wins from Lacazette. Wins the ball back. Look, it's a lucky finish, but. You know, we're off at the races here, Toby. We're and he'd also done a couple of good things as well, Mkhitaryan, outside of that. Done, so he, I felt he, that he, he deserved had, he that had done. He had done a lot of good things. Yeah. And, and you know, again, you know, there were some misses from other players. And once Bellerin went off, a lot of that, a lot of that right-hand channel overload just got completely negated because uh, Lichsteiner just doesn't have the, the engine anymore to play as a wide back. Not, not in the Premier League. It's pretty apparent he doesn't have the pace to go past people. And he got in a couple of crossing positions a number of times and produced donuts. Mm. Just nothing. So I I wasn't super impressed by him. But Toby, 2-2. Can I just add on that point, if you don't mind? You know, the, the fullback position, the modern fullback position is so up and down the pitch. I think if he had, you know, either if it was the old days or previous days, and he had an actual right-sided winger in front of him who operated in that space and hugged the touchline and got crosses in, and his primary job was to defend, then I reckon he would do a job, particularly as a backup. But I feel in that modern-day system with the inside forwards where the fullback has to provide the width from an attacking sense and, and get to the byline, but also be your defender, you, you, you almost have to do two players' jobs, don't you? Hence, you know, why a 34-year-old on the down end of his career struggles. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think it's pretty apparent now with Lichsteiner that his value to the team might be greater than what he's able to input on the pitch. Mm. Would you even go as far to say the corporal might have done a better job, or is that going too far? If you had watched his game in the Europa League, Toby, mm. Jenko did not cover himself in glory. He actually didn't play badly at all, mm. um, but he didn't look... He didn't thrust himself into the limelight. Look, if if it was me, right, I would have, I would have done a big shuffle and I would have brought Ainsley Maitland-Niles in to that position. I think he finished off in that position. No, he did finish off in that position, yeah. but... You know, I would have had Ainsley Maitland-Niles there from when Bellerin went down, and then I would have changed the structures of the team mm. around that, I think would have made more sense. How about this one? Instead of playing Xhaka in the back three and losing him from our midfield, actually starting Maitland-Niles at left wing back, 
I think that playing Jacker in that role didn't end up hurting us because Jacker hurt us in that role. It ended up hurting us because Jacker wasn't playing in his regular role, hitting a lot of those final third entry exactly. balls. So 100%. Exactly. I would have rathered yeah. to have seen... I said that at the very start. You know, I would have rathered to have seen Monreal in the three and an Ainsley yep. Maitland-Niles out there. In a know, wing back, yeah, that's Yeah, fine. in a wing back role every day of the week. Every day of the week. And like I said, you know, I'm the first guy to shit on Lieutenant Dan when he's bad, but mm. I didn't think that he was bad at all. No, today. neither. I didn't neither. think he was amazing, and I'm sure there's some some clunkiness, and I'm sure you know guys who are better than us are going to look at the game tactically and technically, and probably bring up that you know their positioning was quite bad. I, th- I mean, from my very kind of thin, you know, like I said, understanding of of coaching and that deeper level of football, I did think they were very square. The back three. Very square and very bunched together in a in a little three people line across the penalty box, and I thought that might have contributed to Ings running in between them so much because they weren't super fluid. Mm. Yes and no. I mean, you could also criticise them if they flare too much, you know, and then it sort of negates the whole concept of the extra man in defence. Absolutely, I think that Emery, with his time again, might have taken a little bit of a different approach to this game. But, Mm. you know, in saying that, it's another thing tested. It's another position that we now know, you know, in a pinch, you know, throughout December, we can throw Xhaka back there and and he's going to do a job. The um, Another option potentially could have been El Neni, who's dropped into that central of a three. Yeah, he was quite good. In, like he was quite Bangor good era. in Europe. A couple of people, like people on Arsenal, I think it was Arsenal fan TV, um, like got properly fucking stuck into El Nenny. And I was like, the guy is a a a six or a seven out of ten, and never less and never more. Exactly. Exactly. You know, he, he doesn't have a fuck up in him. But he also doesn't have a goal in him. You know, I don't know whether I would have dropped him back into that back three. No, but, potentially. Look, I still think I still think Mineral on the left with AMN as a left wing back would have given us a little bit more security, I think, especially seeing Koscielny and Monreal have played essentially as a pair for a number of games previously. Um, and then it could have maybe, you know, the only thing against that is potentially we had less options when it came to substitutes but look in any case like you said perhaps if um emery had his time over again he wouldn't have done that because i, I feel think there might Guzzi be an was element of the there problem. of overly tinkering or maybe overthinking it by emery i have bit. thought that you know and i Ranieri, think yeah yeah you know maybe sometimes just fucking horses for courses mate horses mm. for courses you yeah. know yeah because Sometimes just play the guy who's played the most amount of centre-back at centre-back and play the guy who's played the most amount of wing-back at wing-back. And if you had have done that, you would have started off with a back five of, you know, Bellerin, Lichsteiner, Koscielny, Monreal and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And then you would have had Xhaka in the midfield with Torreira. Torreira has not looked as good, has not looked anywhere near as good any time this season without Xhaka. Correct. So we've always discussed the other way but we haven't actually discussed it the way you just said. 
And who's the player who's progressively got worse the last few games? Yeah, well, man, I'm like I'm a, I keep getting chewed up on Twitter. Keep getting chewed up on Twitter for uh, people called us insane last week in response to you know I think one of us gave him minus three against Man U and one of us gave him minus three against Huddersfield and people were losing it saying he was the best player on the pitch. He was this. He was that. And I was like, it's fine. You're all entitled to your opinions. Mm. But you cannot, just because a guy runs around a lot and takes a lot of touches and plays a lot of passes, does not make him a fantastic player. And we had a player like that, and his name was Danielson. I was going to say Jack Wilshere. He was someone that I was prone to to seeing the beautiful side of his game and maybe letting him off a little bit in terms of his positional awareness defensive awareness and, and ill-discipline. But yeah, Danielson was just a boring, safe player. Yeah, but I mean, Danielson was still a guy who people thought for a period of time when he was very, very young, and this is where I'm drawing the comparison, that when he was super okay. young, yep. people thought yep. that he was more or capable of more than what he was because his early performances were energetic and above his station. Mm. And I just think there's something now where you look at Ganduzi and... He's starting to look lightweight for me. He's starting to look quite slow for me. He's starting to look quite unpenetrative to me. Mm. And he's very unsafe. You know, and, and there was a few guys, I think it was Manny from um from Guns and Yellow Ribbons was saying on Twitter, you know, that his performance did his head in all game. Yeah. All game. And yep. I was like, Yes, you know, finally someone is sitting there and, and watching the same thing that I'm watching mm. and thinking like, come on, man, get your shit together. And don't you think there's such a difference between watching the highlight package and watching the frustrations of the whole game? Because Genduzi actually did a few things that were actually quite good that that were either potentially an assist or a pre-assist or some nice balls or what but have you. football is not a fantasy Premier League team. It's right, not. where you can have a shit house game and you can have one, two, or three incisive moments in that game. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to chew Urzel out, if everyone's going to chew Urzel out every single week, every yeah. time he touches a ball, every time he laces a boot, are going to chew him out and then ignore his stats. Now, I'm not a, an Urzel, I'm not an Urzel hater, I'm not an Urzel lover. I'm very middle of the road with Urzel. I call it yeah. a, a an apple, an apple, and when he's an apple, he's an apple, and when he's not an apple, he's a rock melon, right? When he's a spade, he's a pitchfork. That's it, right? But if you're going to call Urzel out and say, no, I don't care, he was terrible today. I don't care that he was on the pitch for, you know, 15 minutes and had four incisive moments, like four XG chances created in the game. I'm going to call him out for that one fuck up in the middle of the park yeah. where the ball bounced off to him. If if you're going to take that approach to Mesut Ozil, yeah. you have to start taking the same approach to Gendouzi. And you can't look at the fact that he played three good balls for the whole game. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we nearly are. I mean, us... it basically segued us into the Mesut Ozil dummy, okay. into right. the turnover of the ball, yep. into... The third goal, the goal yep. that buried us. Yep. You know, and at no point did I feel before this goal ha- came. At no point did I feel that this game was safe or that this point no. was safe. 
In never, fact, never, I thought that it was more likely that we were going to concede. I mean, the one Absolutely. we didn't talk about, you've got the Yoshida header with the big save from Leno that Long puts in that's offside, yep. you know, just a couple of moments before that. Yep. So we were fortunate already. We should have been sunk already. And you know what? If we yep. had got sunk by that, it would have been a fourth time with a fourth header. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fourth cross, fourth header. Yeah. Right, this is all they had all game. I cannot remember mm. Southampton having a moment where Very they good actually... point, Max. Very good point. All replications of the same. It's one of the truest things you've said. That's all they had. We were just so bad at realizing that or doing anything about it or we didn't have the personnel that could cope with it. I'll I'll hang Leno out for a couple of mistakes because and I'm not just hanging him out for that one mistake that he makes. He had a couple. He actually looked quite flappy, and you've actually said for about three weeks now, you've been saying to me, he's a bit flappy. He's getting a bit flappy, right? And it's finally all come to fruition today. But what I will say in somewhat of the defense of him and in somewhat of the defense of Arsenal, you've essentially gone and reorganized all of the parts in front of him. That's right. So Genduzzi Torreira, I don't like that axis. Every time that axis happens, I don't like it. I don't think Genduzzi is good enough defensively, smart enough defensively to drop off when Torreira's bombing on. And I think when Xhaka and Torreira do that, Xhaka becomes that almost quarterback and he's quite static and he's a bit of a totem and Torreira runs around him. Exactly. Genduzzi kind of wants to be in it and on it and on the ball and constantly involved in everything. And I yeah. think it actually ends up taking a little bit of the light away from Torreira. Well, it also means the way that Torreira's been playing with a little bit more license to go forward. And and I don't think it's license. I think he's being encouraged. I think this is a tactical shift. Break it up high up the pitch. It's, a, it's essentially right. what, but he needs what Sarri to be there has to asked that. Kante to do exactly. at Chelsea. Exactly. Absolutely. So when you've got two players who like doing that and aren't positionally aware to drop back when the other one goes forward, and this is one of the things about Genduzi, he doesn't have the athleticism to get around the pitch. Like you said, he's got skinny little legs. You know, he's probably fatigued. He, he's quite slow at times, particularly under that, that load, under that fatigue load. And he's not covering Torreira when he goes forward. So that's why we're ending up with these big gaps, more exposed on the counter which has always been our Achilles heel anyway so I think you're pretty spot on with that point I thought for two of the goals today when people were looking at the center backs that where they should have been pointing the finger was the midfield pressure exactly because if you give someone time and space to pick a ball and whip yep. a ball in and put and it drop on a 10 piece. Two. Yep, that's right. That's you right. Know, and you've got guys who are running on at pace, mm. and then you're throwing into the equation that you're running on at pace with inexperienced central defenders or undercooked central defenders yep. who have never played minutes together. At no point have those three ever played minutes together. No. At no point have Koscielny and Lichtsteiner ever played minutes together. At no point have Lichtsteiner and Xhaka even ever trained. played minutes together in yeah. a back three. And at yeah. no point has fucking Xhaka ever been a, a, a centre-back, as Ooh. far as I know, for anyone. Ooh. And one thing that we forgot to mention, I don't think we prepared that way because Kalasinac would have started. He only pulled up with a tight quad or hammy or something um, a day or two beforehand or even in the warm-up. So I think we absolutely would have started 
with Min- Monreal in, on, alongside Koscielny. So mm. we'd, we'd forgotten about that point. Mm. Um, and our wonderful segue, which started about 10 minutes ago. Pre-rant. Int- <laughs> this, is, this is the rant cast, so you've got to let us get on a rant. It is. The, the rant slash getting on a tangent cast. <laughs> Us brothers tangent cast. <laughs> slash slash drug addled brains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess before we move yeah. on, Toby, we should maybe break down that final goal, the Charlie Austin goal, the winner, the one that yep. buried us, cooked us, ended it forever. Yep. Uh, the giant Leno fuck up, but you saw it a little bit differently than a lot of other people saw it, Toby. You saw maybe four or five pieces that came before Leno went all flappy handsky. Yeah, that's that's right, Max. I saw it as a real team error. So I've seen Ozil copying all the blame because us as Arsenal fans really like to, to be reactive and find a scapegoat because that's how we've been operating for so long. Um, you know, and he is a divisive figure. Yes, he took a step over and dummy. Yes, he probably didn't sprint straight away after he lost it, and he should have because he was because he was fresh. Yep, but there were multiple errors that led to that goal after his initial fuck up. You know, he'd actually so, done that dummy twice, and it nearly turned yes into no, a goal. That's exactly well. right. So he you was know, and all something. these people are going to come and are going to be saying online about how he did this and he did that and he fucked up. And a lot of them are the same people who last week, you know, against Manu and against Huds, were writing things like, oh, we missed Ozil. We missed his creativity. <laughs> yeah. We really have to be objective about this and, and try and quash that subjectivity that we all have a tendency to, to do um, or to be, rather. But, yeah, there, there were multiple errors, you know. I mean, even... Even so Terreira except for the Urzel error, Toby, what were the yep. other errors that led okay. to the goal that you saw? Straight after that, Terreira was beaten quite softly. I think he was knackered by that stage. Um, your banging man came across and sort of did a sort of like a lip service to defending. Um, I really thought Monreal was caught in no man's land, out of position and not actually tracking back the runner. You know, and he, he was quite largely at fault. I thought Koscielny you know, was maybe attracted to the ball a little bit too much. And if he'd stayed tight to um, Austin, who actually scored the goal, he wouldn't have even, it wouldn't have even mattered so much. And then, of course, Leno made two decisions and ended up making the wrong decision. Um, and then even Ainsley Mate and Niles jogged back. So that was, that's like six or seven players that didn't perform to their level or what was expected. So when you make that many errors... I think you deserve to be scored against. I think that there's too many people out there, too many Arsenal fans out there who aren't watching the game with their eyeballs, right? They're they're watching the game with with their buttholes. Yeah, they are. There's too many Arsenal fans out there watching the TV with their assholes and not watching the television with their eyeballs, right? Because it is so easy and it, it, it has become so apparent to me lately that what so much of this fan base do and, and I can't speak for Click other fam, I can't speak for other fan bases, Toby, because I'm not intrinsically involved in those fan bases. I'm involved in the Arsenal fan base. I'm active on Twitter. I'm active in the Arsenal fans forum. You know, I'm constantly talking to people. We podcast. And I just think there needs to come a time when people stop playing into the narrative that exists that's gonna get the most amount of clicks. And the most amount of clicks for me 
this is all going to be about Ozil's dummy. That's it. Yeah. It's all it's going to be about. And I think it's amazing how you've just broken that down to be five or six different individual pieces of a team fuck-up yeah. that no one is going to bring up, that no one's going to talk about. You know, the only thing anyone's going to care about, Ozil's dummy, Leno's flap. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Not the five pieces of the puzzle or the, the five different moments of which Arsenal players had the opportunity to break that down. Exactly. You know, exactly. so so really really interesting, really interesting analysis there, Toby, of that goal. Um, end of the game, Toby. It finishes up. You know, I, I, to coin a phrase, mate, it is what it is. It is what it is. It was always a game that was set up for us to get through, not set up for us to go and get. If you get what I mean. Yeah, and, we and nearly that's did. why we needed we nearly- a draw. Yeah. And we nearly did. We we nearly got that draw. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it today. You know, like I said to you earlier, my, my, my wrap-up of the game, my concise wrap-up of the game that I kind of I, I put out onto Twitter and I put out onto the Arsenal fans forum was three goals from three headers against three centre-backs who have never played together. That's yeah. the story. Yeah. That's the headline. That's the end of it. Let's just yeah. turn the page... Look towards next week when we get back Socrates. Yeah. When I think we will probably get back Mustafi as well. I think it was a minor strain for Mustafi. I read one to two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Wasn't a tear, was a strain. Yeah. You know, so let's get these guys back into the team. Let's get Xhaka and Torreira back into our midfield where they belong, where they play well together. Yeah. And then let's assess the team coming into this this December period. Mate. Three, two, ones, one, two, threes. Toby, who did you have for your three points, your man of the match? Who did you have for three points and why? Hey, Mickey, you were so fine. You were almost so fine. You blow, blew my mind. I also hey, had Mikatarian for three points. Yep. And he was about the only one, wasn't he? Um, look, you know, I, and again... I think that there's a lot of people out there with preconceived narratives who aren't willing to go back on what they've they've said about him. Now, I'm not saying that I'm changing my mind on what I've said about Mkhitaryan. I mean, a couple Neither. of weeks ago, I said I was done. I thought it would be the best possible option for us to sell him. He was on too much money. He was too profligate. But I don't think that that should change your ability to objectively say that someone was the best player on the pitch or one of the top three players on the pitch in yeah, this particular point. game in this moment. And do you know what I hope for him? Because we take the humanity away from these footballers a lot. Is just if it gives him a bit of confidence. You know, if it puts him on some, some type of run. He, Whether we like it or not, he is very important to our next run of games. I don't know if Mkhitaryan lacks confidence. I do. I I get that feeling from him, especially after the. I menu. kind of feel like if he lacked confidence, he would he would shrink when he fucks up. He doesn't shrink when he fucks up. He just keeps fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> P- potentially, I mean, maybe we interpret the body language slightly differently, but um, yeah, no, I I I feel like you know any human apart from. A select few, you know, with an incredible drive and self-belief, would, um, you know, would suffer from um, from a lack of form, you know, brought on by a lack of confidence. So, yeah, he has consistently I'm been on the cusp of being excellent. 
most of the year. That's right. You know, it it is just so easy for them to go the other side, to the dark Mm. side, right? He's Anakin Skywalker, right? All the shit that he needs to be a Jedi is there, but he's fucked up and he just wants to bang Padme, (laughs) who I would also bang. So, (laughs) Mkhitaryan, get yourself some Natalie Portman. Um, but Toby Mkhitaryan three points from both of us he had the best tempo of the game he had the two most incisive moments for Arsenal of the game he put one on a platter for Aubameyang as well yep that Aubameyang great little dink that was Um, you know really really good and credit where credit is due Toby Um, Granite Jacker ah fuck Toby two points who did you have and why Uh, I had two points for Lacazette for the way really he worked his absolute fucking hole off when he came on. Yep. I had a lot of notes about him saying that I thought he was exactly what this game needed. Yeah. And I, I I had a note saying I thought that maybe the game had passed him by a little bit because no one else was up to that kind of level and kind of fight. But, yeah, mate, great. I'm a little bit prone to effort. You know, I have effort boners. And, you know, he he really has grown into someone who epitomises a fan's love for the team and the way he gets about, the way he works, the way he presses. Um, some of the way he skips and turns and, and faints and dummies when he's playing out of position, you know, like on the right. You know, he, he really created a lot of half chances just through sheer work rate alone and I think when we've got players who fuck up a lot um, you know he's someone that we could look to where you go yeah we can trust him in multiple positions because we know he'll give his all and um, that's why I gave him the two points he is a work rate player with finishing yeah yeah you know I would be interested to see how his season would have looked without you bang a man signing Mm. I would have been interested to see how his trajectory would have looked if it would have been greater than what it is now, if he had have been just the main man or if he's really required this this competition and this relationship for him to be much... I prim- think the latter. I think you're onto something there. I think the competition has brought out an inner spirit and fight. And I think that's what you want out of any player. So I, I think he's he's grown because of that competition, not mm. in spite of it. And, you know, if, if he was leading the line the way he was last year, where all the expectations were dumped on his shoulders, I think he would have wilted rather than risen the way he has. Yeah, uh, Aubameyang's personality because it takes the forefront, because it takes the limelight, and yeah. because Lacazette is that a little bit more quiet, a little bit more humble Yeah, and as someone who player. wants to please. He's, he's yeah, more of a and, giver and, than and a taker. Get, I think you've alluded to, to this before. He's a gentle lover, Lacazette. He likes to give. Um, two points, Toby. I had, I had Granite Xhaka. Yep. Yeah, I, good I, shout. I, I had Xhaka because I thought at the end of this game... And I was sort of sitting there and I was going through points and I was trying to work out who'd played well and who hadn't played well. And look, not 
everyone, or not many people, really played really well. Mikatarian was the only one who stood out to me as playing really well, and yeah. I thought that Bellerin, before he got injured, had been quite good as well, especially in the early parts of the game. But I gave it to Granite purely mm. based on the fact that that is not where he plays. He did a job, and I honestly do not re- remember a moment where he majorly fucked up or he looked One completely out of sorts that was there. It. Yeah. One straight pass playing out from the back, that was it. I even thought his clearances were pretty good, his headed clearances. Hold on, I have to let the cat in. Are you going to hear her on the recording? Should yeah, I did. I did. Dude, what's fucking wrong with you? Oh, you want to get out? Get off then. Idiot. <laughs> Toby, one point. Who did you have and why? Well, it's almost like we interpreted the game in a similar way. Granite, Jacker. Yeah, for all the same reasons. All the same reasons. We don't need to say it again. Lieutenant Dane. Uh, Lieutenant Dane. Toby, who did you have for one point and why? I just I just said that. Oh, yeah, that was yours. Yep, I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, Toby, for me, I gave the one to Torreira. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> big balls, and I really, really respect it. Really, really respect it. I thought that he still did... Everything that you expected of him, I thought that he was fucked by the end of the game as well. I thought that yeah. he was fucked from about 70 minutes on. Yeah. And I felt like in that goal, that's exactly what showed how fucked he was because he made a really like half-assed effort for the tackle after. Yeah, I, again, it. I think that the, the injuries are starting to fuck with a bit of Emery's plans on what for he's going to do. Correct. For rotation, because... Yep. I'm telling you, man, I, I reckon that Arsenal, in any kind of winning position, Torreira probably plays 60 minutes or plays 70 minutes or something like that, and he keeps totally. going down at the moment. Have you noticed that last three weeks? Well, that's when I said in the man keeps game. going down and staying down, times. and it's yep. like, are you injured, cunt? You had better yep. not be fucking injured. Yeah. Right? Because I'm telling you, if we have to run out with a genduzi Xhaka partnership, I'm not super confident of that. No, we're fucked. If that happens. Uh, Toby, negative numbers. Negative numbers. Who did you have for your minus one? Minus one went to Sideshow Bob. Mm, Genduzi. Toby, I also gave Genduzi my negative one. And and what I said was he would have had more negatives, but for the two nice attacking phases. So one was almost an assist and one was a pre-assist. So... That's what we were discussing before about the nice things absolving him from people's negative perceptions. You know? Yeah, look, I just wrote down highlighting more and more how limited he is as a Liability. player. And Liability. highlighting more and more yeah. that he's 19. He's fucking 19. Right? He's like 19. Are we, are we retarded to be hedging so much of our bets on him? I just like, think, look, I think it's a it's a platform that he has made for himself because he's of how successful yeah. he was when he came into the team initially. Mm. You know, and we've seen this before, you know, we've seen we've seen Awobi break into the team under Wenger and look like yeah. a world beater. Playing and then on natural right talent off. and without fear. 
Yeah, and I, I wonder with Gendouz, and I said this after the Man U game, that I thought his Huddersfield performance was a reflection of his Man U performance because I thought in his Man U performance yeah. he tried to grab the ball by the horns and fucked up. And then his Huds performance, he went into his shell a bit. And in this game, he just... Uh, Gendouzi, for me, had a really fucking nothing game. He got into a couple yep. of dangerous areas, especially towards the end of the game. He was trying to ping them in from distance from the end of the game. And as far as mm. I've seen, uh, Gendouzi doth not have a cunting boot. No, he doth not. You know, he, so. he doth not have a, a he doth not have a granite jacker in his sock. So, if you've never pinged one from distance, no one's ever seen you ping one from distance. And there was, he did it twice where they were, he was at the edge of the box and I would have just rathered him recycle play. And instead he just yeah. kind of tried to ping one from the edge. And I thought to myself, it looks like something that someone in the under-21s would do. Like it's, yeah. a, it's, it's, a, it's a hit and hope. It's a rush of ball. You rush know, it's a, it's a, I could win this for us. And it's like, no, yeah. you've got literally hundreds of millions of pounds of strike power on the pitch. Find a way to get it to them. Mm. Find a way mm. to get it to Urzel. Find a way mm. to get it to Mikatarian, to Abamyang, to Lacazette. And I just thought that the I thought that this might have been his most immature performance. For me, is his most like not mavericky, but he 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 look he didn't defend fantastically. His positioning was bad all game, and like you said, except for a couple of moments, really he was shit. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure we're going to get this shit chewed out of us because everyone's got such a fucking hard-on for Gendouzi at the moment. Toby, negative two. Who did you have and why? Uh, Wobes for me. Negative two. Toby, I also had a Wobie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for me, that real dichotomy that's going on between some lovely intrinsic little balls and play. And when he's deeper, he's great. Anything in that final third, he is absolute shite at and the moment. And he's getting worse exactly. in the final and, third. And he's that not big, getting that better big in miss, the final third. That big miss. You mean the little Obamiang of... yep. tap back? Clutch moments. Hey, if if I was a school kid or when I used to play football, that is the layoff you dream about. Yep. That's your name in big flashing signing lights. All you've got to do is keep your head down and pass it into the top corner. That's the shit you you play on the school pitch, the, on, the, on the, the training ground, over and over again. That the was technical like... technical deficiency of leaning back into a ball like that... That far. ...and skying it There was no pace position. on it. It was the no, perfect it layoff. It was basically a fucking dead ball layoff in front oh. of you. Go stick it top corner, son. Mate... Like I Even just said, if you didn't stick it top corner, the other option was to just lace it. Do you uh, know what I mean? Like you I think it you was always a wraparound. You could have you know? no, but you could have laced that kind of left to right. You know, you could have laced that left to right and lashed it. You know, that's what a shearer would have done there. Would have just lashed mm. it or something like that. You know, I but don't know. I always I, think I thought that was the side I thought that finish. I thought that the finish. My eyes lit up when I saw that. And I was like, goal, mm. and it just. Just went to shit. Look, my thing with the Wobie at the moment is I'm screaming for a winger who's going to score some fucking goals. Yeah, and take right? the pressure off a bit. Yeah, we. You've got it. to take pressure off these because when Aubameyang's having a day like he had today, right, where he got into some good positions but he didn't finish, mm. you need someone in the team to bail you out. 
And he didn't have a bad game, Yubang. No, man. look. He got about the pitch really well. Some lovely layoffs. Aubameyang was in and around my group for negative points. So the way I usually Same. do it is at the end he of the game... He got a dishonourable mention for at me. At the end of the game, I write all the players who I thought might get points, positive points, and all the players who I think might get negative points. Then I weigh up yeah. the, the positives and negatives and go back through my notes. I thought that Aubameyang worked his ass off, made some really good runs. He was just very inefficient with his goal scoring today. And he has yeah. been inefficient all year. Yeah. My thing with Awobi is, and I want to make this point very, very, very clear, and this is a point directly to Arsenal fans. If any other winger in the competition had the stats for goals and assists that Awobi had for the quantity of minutes, right, he would be getting killed by the fans. 100%. It's only because he's one of us and he's a youth team prospect and we have so much graded on him, so much is leaning on him about can you save us £60 million, Wobi, £70 million? Can mm. you be good enough that we don't have to go into the market and buy someone else? And do you know what I wrote in my notes today? Mm. Buy someone else. <laughs> Yeah. By someone who's got 15 goals a year in them, because I'm fucking telling you, Awobi doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah. Negative three. Who did you have? Negative three. Um, begrudgingly, I'll give it to I'll give it to Cos Koscielny. Really? Yeah. Look, and let me put let me put a side note on that. Let's put a big but. You know, let's not get too carried away. You know, I mean, let's not get dismissive of him too much. Let's not, you know, kill the poor bastard. I don't actually reckon he would have been in the team bar this injury crisis. You know, he I know he's had an error in him previously, and I've been hugely critical critical of him in the past, but he is not the sole reason we lost today. He was part of the reason. That That's my thought. How do you feel about that? About the Koscielny thing, look, it, it would be remiss of me not to have him in and around the negative points. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't amazing today. He did look a little bit off the pace. You of course could he argue, did. He's been out for yeah, seven months. That, which is what I'm about to get at. This you know, is you what could the Arsenal fans are failing to... For a couple of things. You know, I thought that there's no way in the entire world that Emery ever would have wanted to start him at this point in this recovery process let alone no. play him twice in a week, let alone play yep. him for 70 minutes and then 90 minutes. It is a huge yep. fucking gamble on a guy yep. who's coming back from a career-ending injury. Yep. So I was willing to give him a break on the negative points in this game because I thought that Jay Leno was worse. And yeah, okay. can I add, yep. I had Jay Leno down for negative two before... The fucking flappy fuck up at the end. Ah, uh, okay. All right, no, that's good. That's good. I had um, Jay Leno as a dishonourable mention because of his amazing save against Yoshida. Yeah. I thought there was a couple of times he'd saved before that. He was very flappy. He was very flappy from crosses. Yep. Yeah. His distribution yep. in the last three games has been shit house. Can I put my hand up and say I called that? Absolutely you can, Toby, because you brought this up last week. 
He's been going long when he could go short. He's been going short when he really needs to put his laces through it. Lichsteiner gave him a serve today. Gave him an absolute serve. Lichsteiner got caught on it. And he looked at him as if to say, like, the fuck are you doing? Like, mm. you know, just boot that up the pitch. Um, He's been looking flappy for a couple of weeks, man. And I thought today was a, a particularly bad instance of it because the cross for the goal for Austin... That's a high-flighted cross, yeah. Right. That's a cross that's coming down from a great deal of height, which means that you you essentially you've not got as much as what you can do with it. A ball that's smashed across the face flat, you're going to get a lot more pace on that ball. That was 100% yeah. an instance where a keeper stays on his line. Yeah. Stays on his line, you know, and says. Yeah. It, basically, Austin had to beat him at his near post. It would have been... A, a, not that it's a similar goal to the dire goal, but it would have ended up being a somewhat a similar save. It's in that kind of near post push yeah, around correct. the corner. Yeah, correct. Correct. He would have had much more chance of blocking it. But than once he went coming. and didn't get there, and yep. he'd almost tried to go a second before that as well, and he'd done it two or three times in yep. the game... Yep. where he had come well out of his goal. And there are moments where I think that that's all just a bit for show. It's a bit fantasy pointy with Leno. You know, there are things that he does that people look at it and they go, oh, that's just like Ellison. Or that's just like, what's his name? The fucking German bloke. Ah. Oh. Hans Gruber. <laughs> well, it is Christmas time. <laughs> um, I have to watch that soon. You are referring to Die Hard, yeah? I am referring to Die yeah. Hard. But before um, that, I was referring Manuel Neuer. That's it. Right? Because, Close. Because, Close. Pe- <laughs> because people see <laughs> fucking Hans Gruber. <laughs> because people see these guys who are perceived as top-class world... World-class top keepers. Top-class world players. Top-class world keeper players, right? <laughs> that they think that that is something that a top-class world keeper player does. Yeah. Right? But the thing is, is those top fucking class... <laughs> the thing is, those motherfuckers are good at all the other shit as well. Right? Yeah. And we've, we've seen in the last two or three weeks now, we've seen some of Leno's limitations come into his game. And we've seen that he's going to have a mistake in him. Now, that's two in three weeks for Jay. Yeah. yeah. Like two, two goals that are essentially on him. So yeah. the Dyer goal, that's yep. on him. And the Austin goal, yep. as far as I'm concerned, is, and I know you broke it down really heavily, and there were lots of things yep. involved, but the final yep. piece of that goal is if your keeper stays on his line, I don't think that Austin has enough to work with because he's, he's got to get around the defender, head it into the ground. I don't think he's got so much to work with that that is a guaranteed inverted commas yeah. goal. Yeah. So I gave him negative three. And I think it might be the first... It might be the first negative points I've given him all year. Oh, it has, because mine, mine was a bit left field last week. Yeah, but, you know, a bit left field, but then all kind of comes to comes through to make sense, unfortunately. Well, maybe sometimes you can, you. you can trust your gut a little bit more, you know? You trust your gut. You know, you know that sort of sixth sense, you know, like you've just got this feeling. You had a feeling, of, uh, you had a feeling that Leno was due... Yeah, well, it, it had been ups. a feeling that had been building, you know. And, and remember, I was saying with his distribution that he'd lost his confidence. I feel like his ball playing 
reflects how he's feeling about himself. Well, do you remember, I think it's about episode seven or episode eight when I start tearing into a Wobi. We're up to about episode 14 now. And I was ripping into a Wobi about the ball bouncing off him, about him running with his head down, saying that we weren't going to get the goals out of him this year. And what's ended up coming into, into fruition? Well, he's costing us points by costing us goals. Absolutely. Well, by sorry, not costing us goals. That that has more of a defensive oh, well, he connotation. Is, he is, he is he's costing us goals by not scoring. It, he is costing us goals because the thing is, is he's putting by his prof through his profligacy. He's not mm. taking the pressure off the front men, and I feel like that's what you know, Danny Welbeck when he was. Fit. Let's not even get started, right? Let's not even dig into how much this team misses Welbeck. Right, how no, much better balanced the team I was know. when you were able to bring on that level of pace and that level of power off the bench. Let's not even yeah. talk about how much Awobi having competition for that spot was making him play better. Let's not yeah. even talk about how being able to bring Danny on up front was making him better. Let's not even talk about the five or six goals that he had in him. Because every motherfucker has just forgotten about it. It's like, see ya, buddy. Fuck off to mm. Galatasaray. And they're all fucked. Yeah, yeah. No, Danny was a huge part How of that. How the fuck did we get back onto Danny? Because we love him. I love you, Danny. That guy. We love we love the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay, Toby. So, any final thoughts? Any final feelings on the game? Any things you want to say before we we move into the match preview and then have a look at December in general and and kind of talk through what the fuck we're gonna do with all these injuries? But anything else left? For you to speak about on the Southampton game? Emery out, blood. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have to we have to look at it, you know, as objectively as possible and think that we really dodged a number of bullets this last three or four games. So, you know, the only thing I would say is maybe, maybe if we had hung back a little bit more and respected the point, done a bit of... Uh, Samwise Aladici, then we could have walked away with something a little bit less Eight bad tasting in the mouth. But for me, today. yeah, yeah, me point, too. Point would have been a me win. too. I, I would have, I would have felt that that was one that we got away with. Yeah, you know, my my final thoughts on the game. We just turned a page, put it to one side, and can yep. I also say this might end up being something that is important for us. Long runs can make yeah. players complacent and can make, and especially young players, can make them um, less hungry, less driven. I hope that this loss is a lightning rod to the rectum of Arsenal Football Club. I yeah. hope well, it. look at how we fucked Tottenham and we celebrated like nobody's business. Yep. And, and, now it's, and they've and won now, every Toby, single one of their to games. St. Mary's Park in front of 29,000 and we've just been done by a team that's fighting relegation. Yeah. So I hope there's a, a lot of players knocking around at the moment. I hope the players don't use the excuse that is, you know, the fact that the team was reshuffled. I hope they look at that and they consider the fact that they're paid a fortune, they play for a big club, and big clubs should be able to, once they are a goal in front or 2-2, big clubs should be able to shut up shop and say, no, you shall not pass. Flame of Unu. <laughs> and a bit of an ode to the Premiership as well. Anyone oh, can beat prim, anyone. That's why you love the Prem. You know, don't forget Southampton. Sorry. Yeah, 
um, Man U went to Southampton and did very well to steal a point a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, well organised. Well organised. Uh, Toby, you had some points that you sent to me this week that you wanted to bring up, and it was a bit about how many games we had coming up in December and what that run was going to look like and how important um, team rotation was going to be over the next month. Do you want to run us through that that list of games that you put together? Yeah, for sure. And it's a bit pooping my pants time, if I'm honest. Um, and it, it will it'll bring me to quite a um, polarising conclusion as soon as I finish rattling through these. So we've got the Scum in the League Cup on Thursday, three days away. We have Burnley away. Maybe they are not in the best form this year, but that's by no means an easy game on Saturday, not our usual Sunday slot. We have Brighton away on the 27th. And then the big one, the pool on the 30th, um, followed by Fulham at home on the 2nd, bloody hell, and an FA Cup tie on the 6th. So my question to you, Max, is how the fuck are we going to get through this? The mm. pace of at the top has been relentless, and it's forced us to push pretty hard already with a depleted squad. How are we going to get through it? I think that we never thought that we were going to be in this position by this time of year and what I mean by that is is I don't think that anyone at the football club let alone the fans felt that we would be as close in this top four battle as what we are granted we've dropped off a little bit today but you know we're there or thereabouts and everyone is beating everyone yeah and we've only dropped off from the relentless pace of everyone else I mean we've done everything everyone else is everyone else is going to drop off as well it's 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 the nature so if we're looking mm. at this December fixture list, I think the first thing we have to look at is the fact that the game against the Scum is not in the FA Cup. It's in the League Cup, mm. right? I think that we should put out a very youthful team. Well, this is Tottenham. what I said to you. My question to you was that do we almost throw this game against the Scum? Do you know and what? Hope I for... don't think we throw it, but I think you have to take into account they've won fucking nothing. Mm. Fucking nothing, right? Mm. They're desperate for a trophy as a club and they're going to put out a really strong team. I don't think we're in a position... One day Ramos, motherfuckers, out, ten, yeah, I, 10 I, years ago. I don't think that we're in a position to put out a full-strength team and I think that if we don't put out a full-strength team, that we're going to lose the game. So why not give the kids an opportunity, the kids and the fringe players an opportunity to go out there and maybe let Emery be very, very tactical and try and put together a system that's going to work yeah. and let the kids go out there and see if they can get through it the way that Wenger used to back in the day. I mean, when we had very young Diabies and Bentners and Walcotts and, yeah, yeah. you know, and Clichys and Jurus and guys like that well, who were, were going. Well, and how I, about, I mean, the, got us how to about the League Cup final in 2006? Exactly what was I was about two? to say. Yeah. Walcott's first yeah. goal. Walcott's yep. on refinish into the side netting, you know, that we yep. nearly did them on, then yep. we got run over physically. So, yep. I mean, that makes, the, that makes the most amount of sense to me. Maybe at the start of the year we were a cup team. Maybe at the start of the year it was going to be really important for us to go super deep in these cups. But now we're, we're there. We've done Tottenham. We've drawn yep. with Man U. We've drawn with Liverpool. Yeah. 
You know, we're not... We should some, have beaten Chelsea. We should have beaten Chelsea and we should have beaten Liverpool. Yeah. You know, both yeah. of those games we should have won. It's not like we've gone in there yeah. and we parked the bus and yeah. we've snatched points. We've gone out there and played. That says to me that this team at full tilt is capable of pushing for that top four spot. And surely the most important thing, the most important thing for any Arsenal fan out there is not shithouse fucking silverware, but it's getting us back into the Champions League. Because I think yeah. it's something that we we neglected. It's something that we thought was a rite of passage. Yeah. That it was ours. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I certainly was a bit bored with it. I don't know yeah. about oh, you, you know, but top now four, I would be pretty... Top four, top four. Yep. You'd suck yep. a dick for top four right now. You know? You'd know, suck it good. You'd fucking suck that dick, you'd cup the balls, and you'd work the shaft for top four <laughs> right now. <laughs> Tickle those balls. <laughs> but you would, because, I mean, now that we don't have it, we've realized how prestigious it is. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. you know, if if you're playing with a ball, Toby... I didn't want the ball. What what balls are we talking but about? No, now? no, no. Now we're talking about a sports ball. Oh, okay. Right? right. So you're okay. playing with a ball and I don't have the ball and I'm over here playing with my fucking truck, right? Yep. Yeah. But but because you've got the ball, right? I want the ball. Well, guess you what? You want that ball. Fucking Tottenham have the ball and they've had it for a couple of years and it doesn't matter what we do, yep. right? Fucking the spuds are better than us at the moment. It doesn't matter if they're shit. It doesn't matter if the spuds are shit. It doesn't matter if they're cunts. It doesn't matter if we hate them. They've got Champions League football. They're the ones playing Inter Milan. They're the ones playing Real Madrid. We're the ones playing fucking, you know, Carrier Bag. Forskler and Carrier Bag, you know, and all these teams. So, in a very, very roundabout way, in my answer to your question, Toby, how are we going to get through it? Play the kids. We've got to play the kids in the League Cup. We've got to get our players back out of the, the, the medical bus, medical bus, the, the ambulance. Yeah, and um, the Maya. You know, we've got to get those guys back on the pitch and we've got to start putting together some kind of a, a, a system, a rotation system that's going to start giving us things off the bench when we need them. Yeah, good you know? point. Um, Good point. But in all honesty, uh, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I was saying this to to um, to Fergus on on Guns and Yellow Ribbons when I was on there the other week, right? The squad's starting to look very fucking thin, very yep. quickly. Yeah. You know, so especially this time. And how are we going to get through it, Toby? With a huge amount of luck, and hopefully a very smart, very switched-on manager who's got a plan in place on how we're going to go and win these games. So Burnley, right? That's very winnable. Yeah. Very, very winnable for us. So I'd be maybe looking at a, at a game like Burnley and wondering against Burnley, like you said against Huds, can I rest Herrera? Mm. You know, can I can I put together a midfield that's made up of, of maybe Maitland-Niles, Genduzzi and Xhaka? And I've got Herrera on the bench, I wouldn't. Right, I, can, I wouldn't rest Terreira against Burnley. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I think they'll be really tough, and they'll try and overload us in midfield. All right. Well, I'll tell you this much, Toby. What fucking game mm. are you going to rest him in? Right? Because he well, had eight days off buds, and he looked shagged. Sure. Right? Yeah. But he had eight days off. He didn't play in Europe, and he still looked shagged today. Like at some point, you've mm. got to start getting some of the miles out of these guys' legs. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think we've already seen what. Emery's going to do with the strikers, right? He's going to have one on starting and one on the bench. 
Yeah. And I assume if we're up, it's going to be a like for like, and if we're down, it's going to be the other one coming on. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're spot on for the that. last amount of time. You know, as far as what we're going to do with centre backs, yep. fuck knows, fuck knows. Whatever we can with whatever we've got right now. I mean, Socrates is back next week. Um, we could. In all seriousness, we could put out a, a back three of Socrates, Koscielny, and Monreal. That would be a pretty that good. Would be a that would be a pretty good solid for me. Back yeah. three, I would be okay with that. I mean, look, is this get, for Burnley? You mean? Yeah, no, I mean yeah. for yeah. You know why not? If Mustafi's not back, then that makes a a, a fine back three. You know, Socrates can mm. anchor it. Yeah. Um. You know, Koscielny either side. I thought Koscielny maybe anchoring it today wasn't ideal for him. I've actually never thought he's he's the perfect central point no. in a back three no, he's, he's always been better anchor, on a side yeah. where he's kind of yeah. stepping forward yeah. he's yeah. not that type of player yeah you know whether or not we're going to get maitland niles more game time in the middle of the park whether or not we're going to be able to get Torreira some less game time what we're going to do in wide areas because we essentially seem to be fucked somehow in in wide well, areas my my thought for either resting Torreira or shoring up our midfield a little bit more is the switch to a four-three-three. You know, I I reckon you can protect your midfielders a little bit more and have some more dynamic midfielders who play a box-to-box role in that system. So you know you can you can have a Jaka Torreira Genduzi, you can have a Jaka Genduzi Maitland Niles. Absolutely, can have a, and then in front of them maybe you've got to play Ozil off the right, maybe you've got to play Ramsey off the right. Well, maybe I don't you've got mind to, it. Maybe so you've much got to start these guys and get yeah. some get some miles out of Wobbly's legs. I mean, these are the four guys, Toby, that we mm. have available to us in wide areas for the entire of December, right? Yeah. We've we basically got five options we can play in wide so areas right now. Them. We've yeah. got we've got Awobi, Mikatarian, Urzel, Ramsey, Maitland Niles. That's it. Yeah, and and That's all one of my got. questions to you, and this is what I was sending you to before. When I was doing my team predictions, I could work out a team against the scum, resting a few of our top guys, because we need to rest Laka, Oba, Mickey, Wobes, Torreira, and Jacker for the scum. So let's not even consider them. But then when I was looking at my team for Burnley, I was putting out a team where I didn't see any goals coming from. So even though I had a Wobe in my front three for a four three three lineup. Not gonna score you any goals. I think I think we're not gonna get any goals out of it. So who are we gonna put in there? My thoughts are actually Urzel or Rambo on that left or the right. So we keep Mikatarian because he's a goal threat. I feel like we need to rest over for this game because we need the work rate against Burnley with Lacker. And maybe Urzel plays starting on the left, but actually tucks in and drifts inside and feeds Mikatarian and Lacazette. That's my thought. So or, based on the days, Toby, and the spread of games, yeah. this is what I'd do. Very okay. young for Tottenham, essentially roll the dice. Right? Mm. Is what it is. We get bailed mm. out of it, we play the kids, they get a great experience. We already beat yep. them. Right? It doesn't matter. They've got no bragging and rights. And we beat them. And if they when do it try counted. and if they yeah. do try and brag about it, they're just gonna look like cunts. Right, because Good it's point. the fucking league cup. So That's let them right. let them have their cake, but we'll shit in the cake that we make for them. So they yeah. eat our shit and fill it with poison lasagna. Yeah, poison lasagna yeah. shit cake. Yeah. Right. 
So is that is that the name of the pod? Yes, it is, Toby. Okay. Poison lasagna shit cake. Excellent. Um, so almost everyone. Then I would go up against Burnley with a strong team and make sure we get those three points because it's really important that we get three points. That's at home, right? So yep. let's go and do that. No, it's not. It's away. We've then got only five days until the Brighton game. And what I would do is I would rest quite heavily throughout the Brighton game, as in the starting 11 that I put on the pitch. Yeah, which is rest, also away. I, I might rest a couple of... Well, the Burnley game's at home, the Brighton no, game's No, it's away. not. It's away. I'm looking at it right now, Toby. The Burnley game is at home. Oh, my apologies. Looking at it on Arsenal.com. Okay. All right. Right? I'll stop saying it's away then. It's not away. <laughs> right? Is it away? So, with the... Fuck off. With the Brighton and Hove game, Toby... <laughs> With the yep. Brighton and Hove game, right? That's where we would go yep. a bit resty, as in putting some of our top players on the bench. And I think we'd double down on the fact that a, not a second string team, but a semi second string team need to be able to go to Brighton and do that. Because, Who are also in a run of tough games, yeah. Because, yep. right, it's a three day turnaround to the Liverpool game. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Right? So the Liverpool game is the. You have to look at it on two different ways, right? Is mm. the most important thing to take six points from Burnley and Brighton, knowing that it's yeah, going to be correct. a really tough run and we're going to be tired against Liverpool? Yeah. Or, or do you look at it in the sense that our second string team, semi-second string team, should be able to get it done against them, maybe with some assistance after 60 or 70 minutes from some of our top boys? And then we yep. go into the Liverpool game, full guns blazing. Correct. And and I think not only that, we need to be ready to give them a real big crack because from a psychological point of view, that could make our season. That's so what I yeah, mean. yeah, you know, like if we get the six points against the the quotation marks lesser teams with a disjointed shitty performance, that's great. But if we go and get caned by Liverpool because we've destroyed ourselves chasing those six points, you know, our heads will be between our tails. So yeah. you're you're right. I think it's important. You know, I mean, all roads lead to Rome in a way because a point's a point. doesn't fucking matter who's, who it's against. But I feel like the psychology of a team is really important and we need to put in a good show against Liverpool. And they they will also attack the shit out of us, which could play into our hands. So we have to think about that too. Which suits us well because we actually haven't been fantastic against compacted. Like I would compacted actually teams. be playing two up front with Erzlin behind or Ramsey against Liverpool. Well, let's I'll cross like that bridge that when we get to it, Toby. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll do a preview when we get to it because we don't know what we're going to have. We don't know what Manning we're going to have. We don't no, know who's going to be in, who's going to be out, who's going to be injured. We, we, we do know most likely what we're going to have for the Burnley game. So mm. let's skip over doing a prediction for the Tottenham game because I think it's almost folly because Kids. it's so much based on what happens. I think yeah. that we'll probably end up playing a lot of the kids and I think we'll probably end up yeah. losing, you know, 2-1, something like that. Yeah. Um, but prediction for the Burnley game, Toby, because I'm expecting a full-strength team against Burnley especially if we're expecting the kids against Tottenham. Mm. Quick score prediction. 
Two uh, one, and that that's that's a bit of a hopeful prediction. But yeah, two one. I'm gonna go four nil, the Arsenal. Oh, you're feeling positive. I'm not feeling positive. I feel like this lightning rod is going to be so major, and then a lot of the guys aren't going to be playing against Spurs. So I'm expecting mm. to see some kind of like quite a major reaction against mm. Burnley. Mm. Yeah. Is yep. kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of this Ask Brothers Rankcast. As always, you can follow me, Max, uh, on Twitter at AskBrosMax. You can follow Toby on Twitter at AskBrosToby. And uh, tune in to us next week after the Burnley game. We'll do a double wrap-up. We'll end up covering the Tottenham game and the Burnley game most likely together. Um, But join us next time. Thank you, as always, so much for listening to us. Have a great night. Crack open a beer. And remember, always listen to Arse Brothers drunk and in your underpants because that's how we record it. It's much better that way. And I'm (laughs) genuinely in my underpants drinking a beer. I also am in my underpants drinking a beer. Okay, guys. Good night. (laughs) Good night.